0: Greetings, and welcome to another episode of the We Are Radicals podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing how we can integrate our faith and our politics. It's really easy to get carried away with the politics of our society, and I'm going to discuss a framework for how Christians who are believers in Christ should approach and interact with politics in their lives today. So, I hope you enjoy this episode of the We Are Radicals podcast. excited to finally begin recording this podcast. I've wanted to record this podcast since the beginning and this specific episode has one of the reasons why I named the podcast what it is and it's one of the central foundations to my understanding of being a radical in the American society that I live in today. So if you wouldn't mind, sit back and actually listen to the entirety of the podcast. That way you can fully understand and hear all of my thoughts before you write it off Listen to the entirety of the podcast so you can fully understand where I'm coming from and what my actual reasoning is. I think that that would be the best way, and I think it's something we need to practice more in American dialogue. A lot of times we as Christians are so quick to jump to what we believe and what we think is right that we actually forget to listen and to hear what people are saying. And I think if we look at Jesus, Jesus was really good at telling people the truth, but he also listened to what people's problems were, what people's situations were, and he actually met them where they were at, even when he knew the truth. And he he ends up telling them the truth, but he always was there to meet people personally, and he always dealt with people personally. And I think more often than not, people in our society today are more eager to prove their point or to show where they're right rather than just having dialogue and listening to people. So, first off, in this first segment, I'm going to talk about what it means to actually follow Christ. Before we even talk about the politics, I think we have to first set the groundwork and the framework for what it means to actually follow Christ. Today in churches, most of the time when you hear about salvation, you hear them say, Will you pray a prayer with me to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And while that is the initial step of realizing your need for Christ, that is not what following Christ looks like. That is ultimately not what Jesus had in mind when he came to earth to build his kingdom. When he came to build his kingdom, he came so that we would change our lives and build the kingdom of God. When you read the stories, look back and see that Jesus encountered people for change. Those people who he, who followed him, they were the ones who ended up doing the work that he was doing. Jesus discipled the 12 apostles, not just to teach them and so that they would have relationship with him, but he spent three years developing them into the leaders for the church so that they would continue his work once he left. And that's ultimately what it looks like to follow Jesus. It's not about praying a prayer, but it's about living and dying your old life. You're living in the new life that Christ gave you. You live in the resurrection that Christ displayed on the cross and you die to your old self. That's what baptism is ultimately about. You die to your old self and you come up as a new creation in Christ. And the sole purpose of your new creation is no longer a worldly purpose, but it's a kingdom purpose. It's the purpose of building the kingdom of God. And so when we look at our identity as believers in Christ, We have to funnel everything through that identity. Everything that we do, everything that we think, everything that we believe has to be funneled through the identity of the kingdom. In essence, we become citizens of this new kingdom. And everything that we do is founded upon that. Paul even says in Philippians, That those in the world have their minds set on worldly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. They use that terminology, which they would have understood because the Jews were living in the Roman Empire. Everyone's allegiance was to Caesar, was to Rome. And so when he's saying this, this is a statement of identity, not just your mind, not just your actions. This is a core statement of who you are as a believer. And as a believer in Christ, everything that you do, believe, and think is funneled through your identity as a believer in Christ. Jesus didn't come to make a spiritual kingdom. Jesus came to change how we live on this earth. Go back to the Lord's Prayer. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's not just saying, let's live for the next life. Let's live for after we've lived our lives here. He's saying, let heaven come to this place. My kingdom will be radically different than anything this world has ever seen. And it's going to happen here on earth. And that is ultimately, I believe, the foundation of our lives as Christians. As a believer in Christ, our goal and our obligation is to bring the kingdom of heaven to this earth and to build the kingdom of heaven on this earth because it's already been happening. Believers have been doing this for 2,000 years since Jesus came. They've been building the kingdom. But our ultimate goal is every aspect of our life is to bring the kingdom of heaven more presently and more gloriously fulfilled on this earth. And so that's the foundation that I want to lay, is that if you look at your life as a believer, what is your ultimate calling? What is the foundation that you as a follower of Christ have to be? Because it's ultimately not just a spiritual transformation that happens in your life. It's ultimately a transformation of your mind, of your body, of your actions, of your will, of your priorities. All of those things have to align with the kingdom of heaven. And as a citizen of heaven, we live as a higher calling, we live with different standards, and ultimately we live with a higher purpose. So now that we've laid a brief framework of what it looks like to live as a believer and knowing that our citizenship is in heaven and not of this world, and our goal is ultimately to build the kingdom of God Here in this place, let's now move on to the next segment where we're going to talk about what it looks like to integrate politics and current issues that we may face here in America as believers. So, as a believer in Christ, as someone whose citizenship is ultimately found in God's kingdom, not in the kingdom of any man, what does it look like to deal with current situations and how do we navigate the politics? ...of the society that we live in. And just to preface this segment, this is only a brief introduction. I'm actually going to be going further in-depth on this rather large topic with some friends this upcoming fall... ...as we discover more about what it looks like living as a Christian in our society today. But for now, we're really going to focus on how do we introduce interacting with politics as a believer in Christ and remembering our ultimate citizenship is with the kingdom of heaven, not necessarily any other state of the world. And so I want to start by saying this, that in any area of your life where you are putting a worldly establishment above your spiritual calling to the kingdom of heaven is a bad thing to do. It's simply not good to to practice putting worldly things above your heavenly identity. So if you're involved with politics, I'm not saying that that is necessarily bad. Personal moral convictions differ between all of us. But if we accept the identity of something that is not the kingdom of heaven, I'm going to suggest that that is actually a form of idolatry. That putting the identity of anything else whether it be something inherently bad or even inherently good, putting anything above your spiritual identity as a citizen of heaven, as a son or a daughter of the king who we proclaim to be lord, I believe that that is sinful. To put that above your spiritual calling. And so, when we proclaim that we follow Jesus Christ, who is King of the universe, or we proclaim Him to be Lord. Lord and King are such politically charged words. Those words cannot be understood without a political understanding. To proclaim that Jesus is the King is essentially saying Jesus is the highest authority in your life. To say He is Lord means He is the one who defines everything that you believe that you have to obey. And so when you say Jesus is Lord, you cannot submit to anyone else's authority. Now you have to obey. He d- We do see in the New Testament that they suggest obeying. Because ultimately I think there's a way that we can live and serve God by obeying, but also by promoting the teachings that we see. It's not calling us to be anarchist, But to put the authority... Above Christ, and to put things above Christ, is inherently idolatrous. I think it just goes by definition. If we are to say, I always think this is funny, because I've caught myself saying it as well. I say, I'm an American Christian. If you don't think that that is in some way wrong or at least humorous, I really want you to go and think about the words that you're saying. Think about what it means to be an American Christian. Because I'm pretty sure I would never have heard any of the apostles saying that they were Israeli believers. No, they were just believers. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, James the servant, more accurately, the slave or bond servant of God, they don't describe themselves by their nationality because they understand that they're loyalty is to the god of heaven their ultimate identity is found in him so i think it's funny that we (laughs) trying to drop back i think it's funny that we actually identify as a nationality with our allegiance to the king of heaven and it's almost more i don't know if i should say funny or sad that we identify more as the american than as the believer And it's almost kind of disheartening to think that when a lot of people hear the word Christian in America, they think of a political group or a conservative wing. I think that that's almost kind of sad because we've lost our radicalness. We've lost what Jesus made the example of. And really, the things we're known for aren't our love, aren't our peace, aren't the grace that we give the community around us, isn't... The things, the good things that we're doing in the community, it's our belief system in a politically charged world. And that's kind of disheartening for me because the things that Jesus was known for, he was known for healing people. He was known for being with the children and the women and giving love and affection to the poor and the disheartened. And he was ultimately there for people. And that's what he was known for. He was known as someone who was caring for people. And if you look at the early church, if you look through Acts and the accounts of the early church, you see that that was their identity. They had such love for each other. There's accounts of ancient historians recording that they, these persecuted people were so unique because they loved for each other and they took care of each other and they lived in community and they built people up. And that was their MO. That's what they were known for. And I think it's so sad that we've become more of a political sect Rather than a group of people who were just known for our radical love. A lot of people, when they think of the church, have negative feelings and emotions. That, that's so sad to think that we've become a group who's known more for things intellectually and politically rather than our acts for love. So drawing it back now, how do we go about living in a world full of politics full of intellectual debates, full of all of these things that we have to do because we live in a society where this is absolutely necessary. We can't live without stability in a government or whatnot. What not. We can't live in that kind of society. Obviously, it doesn't exist. So now, how do we navigate these political things? And I'm going to offer you three suggestions, the first one being this. Whatever you do, the first thing you have to do is look back and see where are their biblical precedents for whatever we're talking about. That's the first thing. You have to understand where the biblical precedents for whatever topic, whatever issue you're discussing. You have to go back and see. And I encourage you to go back and if you can, find an instance where Jesus either talked about it or he made a statement with his actions or his teachings. And then... Even more than that, look at who Jesus was. Jesus, contrary to popular belief, wasn't white. He wasn't rich. He didn't have a lot of money to pay his taxes. He really didn't have a place to stay because he was always moving. He didn't drive a car. He walked everywhere. So the people that are affected a lot by politics are the people most like Jesus. So, when you're thinking about how politics interact with the lives of believers, think about whatever political issue, whether Jesus would have been directly impacted by this issue. And then think about how it would feel if he were the one being affected, because that should influence our actions and our comments and our support and beliefs. Because if Jesus was a part of this group, would we want something like that to affect him in whatever way it is. And for those of you who are listening at this moment, I'm going to give you a quick preview. Um, the next episode is actually going to be a bonus episode. I'm going to immediately drop it after this. So keep going to the bonus episode, episode 6.5. It's going to actually talk about a song about immigration from a Christian artist, and I'm going to actually give some of my thoughts on it as well. So Quickly finish this episode and jump right into the next episode because it's going to actually talk about immigration and a biblical perspective on how we should look at and some of our thoughts on what Jesus would reply if we were able to ask him about immigration. So, those are going to be some of my thoughts in the bonus episode right after this. So, jump on over to that. Now, I want to move on to my second tip, which is when we're encountering politics in our lives as Christians, we really need to emphasize loving people. Because we can talk about politics and policy, but really what matters in this world? I think it's people. I think people are what matter in this world. And so we argue a lot of times about politics, but we take a very materialistic approach to politics. When really we should be concerned about what is best for people. Because that's who Jesus came to minister to. He came to minister to people. And you can't minister to people spiritually If people are dying or hurting or oppressed physically to minister to people and to show them the kingdom of God, to usher in this new radical kingdom, you have to help people. It's as simple as it can be. You can't minister to people if you encourage or support a state that hurts or oppresses people. You lose your credibility with those people and you ultimately lose your love and compassion for people. Because it's easy to say things, but it's hard to support and believe and to be a part of a group of people that love and continually serve your community. Christ says that he came not to be served, but to serve. He came to love. The kingdom of God is founded upon people loving and serving other people. So if we are if our identity is in the kingdom of heaven, if our identity is in serving and loving others, we have to support people and policies who are ultimately for serving and loving others. And lastly, I would encourage you, as you're thinking about how to integrate your Christian identity with politics of our society, is imagine yourself as a believer outside of where you live. If you live in the United States, picture believers outside of the United States. Whether they be in the Middle East or in Southeast Asia or in another country 250 years ago, imagine believers outside of your current context, outside of your current situation, outside of your current living, and imagine what they would think of the policy that you're enacting. Even if they're believers in the same area as you, but they just come from a different background. The past few years, as I've matured, I've tried to understand what it would be like being a Christian from another ethnicity, my friends who are African-American, what would it be like to be a believer growing up in a society like they have? Because they grew up radically different than I did. And they understand things totally different than I do. And a lot of the time, we have to actually step out of where we are, step out of the situation that we've been brought up in, to understand that there is a lot of things that have been built into us just because of where we come from and they aren't necessarily biblical, and they aren't necessarily right. So when you're looking at how to integrate your faith with your political influence, your political bias, your political beliefs, you sometimes have to stop and pull yourself out of the situation that you've lived in, or even that you're still in now, and be like, how is this interpreted through other people's eyes? Because if it's truly a biblical principle, if it's truth, if it is something that the Bible teaches, it's going to stay the same throughout every context of the world. The believers who were converted by the early Protestants who came over in America, the Native American believers, it would be the same for them that it is for you today. Furthermore, if you were to go to the Middle East, our brothers and sisters in Christ who live in Muslim countries, they believe the same things that we do. Biblical truths have to be the same for believers everywhere because they are truth. They don't; Those things don't change. So if things that are guiding your political beliefs would differ from other people's biblical understanding of other places, we have to come back and say, is this really something that's been ingrained to us because of where we come from? Or is it a biblical truth that is guiding our political influence and action? So we have to ask those things because a lot of the time, we find that society or history or culture has infiltrated our biblical beliefs and made us think what we believe is a biblically sound thing, but it really isn't. So to sum this last point up, I just want to say that if what you think is biblical isn't consistent with believers across cultures, then we have to reevaluate what we think is biblical. Because true Biblical ethics and moral understanding spans across cultures. So to end the episode, I want to give a brief recap of what we talked about today. I started out by giving you guys a framework and a foundation for how I believe we as Christ followers should identify. That our true identity is found in the kingdom of heaven. That our citizenship follows the lordship of Jesus Christ. That our king has come and started his kingdom, which is radically different than any other kingdom, and that he is ultimately the highest authority in our lives. Then I discussed how our identity as believers in Christ, as citizens of heaven, has to supersede every other identity that we have. And if any other identity is greater than our identity in Christ, that's ultimately a form of idolatry, and ultimately denounces Christ's lordship in our lives. And if we say that Christ is Lord, our kingdom-minded identity has to be central in our lives. Then I spoke a little bit more practically on three tips and suggestions how we should view politics and integrate it with our faith. The first being that we have to look at the biblical precedents found in the Bible. And if there's an instance where Jesus talks about it, we need to specifically look at how Christ interacted with the people in his day. Second, I talked about how we really need to emphasize our politics by loving people. When we emphasize loving people in our politics, we more than likely will have a more biblical-centered viewpoint of how we're supposed to interact in our society today. Because Christ ultimately came to build a kingdom focused on serving and loving others. That was the ultimate focus of the kingdom of heaven. To build up the kingdom. To serve others and to love Christ and to show their affection and servitude to Christ. Then our third principle was we have to look for cross-cultural principles. Something that we believe is from the Bible in a biblically founded principle. It will span across cultures and we don't want society's influence to interact with our biblically minded truths. So if there's a principle that we believe is guiding our political influence or our political actions, we need to make sure that it's centrally founded in our faith and applies to believers across the globe and across time. To sum up today's episode, we really come to this thought, that life as a believer has to be centrally focused on our identity as citizens of heaven. And anything that steps in the way of that ultimately diminishes the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. And that'll sum it up for this episode of the We Are Radicals podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please consider leaving me a review and a rating to help other people find our podcast. We're continually trying to build a community of believers who emphasize and show the radical traits of Christ's love, his peace, his grace, and his affection and care for people around him. So continue listening to the podcast. We're going to talk about this topic of politics and Christian integration. We're going to pick it up more in depth over the next few months, so make sure you come back and listen to our conversations about integration of faith and politics. I hope you enjoyed today's episode wherever you're at. I hope that the peace of God is with you, and I hope that you have a great day. Peace.